previously on Some Like It Pops Making a Musical, hosted by Jennifer McHugh. There are moments when you <laughs> hear something and you know that's the million dollar idea. These two kind of rambunctious nerds have been trying to use science to win themselves popularity. Something goes wrong and Griff turns invisible. Griff is, he's your, your standard nerd ball. He just wants a better life. I heard his pitch and it pushed every single one of my buttons as far as what I wanted to do artistically, what I wanted to say. Here's a show that's about what it means to see another human being, but is actually a broad comedy. But I get to write pop music, but it's got a John Hughes thing and it's set in the 80s and I get to yeah, have a Yeah, how about that, huh? kind of useful being invisible. Thank you for tuning into part four of our series on Invisible the Musical. Today we will continue our chat with three of the main actors from the staged reading and discuss their experiences originating roles in a new musical. Dude, we can use this. We'll pass that fully. We have Michael Thomas Grant, who played Griff. We have Dan Ammerman, and he is playing Kemper. And we have Ashley Argata, and she plays Hemlock. This is how we beat Chetlick at his own game? We just use your invisibility to make me popular. And then once we find a cure for you, I'll just bring you up to my level. You being invisible isn't a disaster. It's not even a problem. It's the solution. Well, I have one last question for all of you, and it's going to put you all on the spot. And I'm going to encourage you to be cheesy and really sappy, but I would really like to hear your favorite memory so far of this experience. And it can be on stage, it can be off stage, it can be standing outside of Starbucks in a parking lot. I don't care, but I just would like to hear it. It sounds like everybody's had a really good time in this whole process and you guys seem like you're good friends. So I would just like to hear your best memory. And I'm going to start with Dan just to mix it up. Sure. Yeah. Well, the, the first day that we met in the first rehearsal, um, we, uh, me, Ashley, and Michael all went out for lunch at uh, Costco. Uh, no, not at a Costco, at a um, IKEA. <laughs> we went to the IKEA, like. Oh my god, I remember. <laughs> and we got like meatballs and <laughs> stuff. It was so dumb, but it was really fun. And that was like our first like day of hanging out. And then uh, because we kept rehe- our rehearsal like sort of studio was it was like right near this IKEA. We would often go there uh, and kind of just like walk through if we needed to pick up some like uh, screws or <laughs> anything like that. And um, even when we were in the midst of rehearsals, I remember a couple times me and Michael would go to IKEA and we'd be trying to like drill certain harmonies that we just like were trying to lock in, and we would just be a cappella like walking through IKEA like quietly drilling these harmonies together and like walking down the street back from Ikea drilling these harmonies and it, we seemed probably like crazy people and it was also so embarrassing because I hate being like that musical theater person who's you know <laughs> like belting out tunes in public like I just don't like that but we were just like anytime that we were had a break we were just trying to drill these harmonies so yeah I just remember uh lots of like fun hangouts in the the halls of Ikea <laughs> Well, to be fair, those meatballs are out of this world. They're good. I mean, they're legitimately, yeah, like, high-quality restaurant meatballs, for sure. They're yeah, yeah. really good meatballs. But, but I, also, like, a super cheap restaurant, too. Yeah, so. super cheap restaurant. But I still never got those parts for my bed. That was... That's the, right. Yeah. <laughs> we just well, kept walking um, around. bed troubles aside, Michael, do you want to insert your favorite memory? Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I may steal Ashley's. Oh no. Um so the day of the last oh, show. Man. <laughs> so I mean so uh 
for people that don't know the show, um, towards the I've got to get to the prom, which is like the big number right before the final scene. Uh, Jordan Goodsell's character says, "Oh, tonight I'm gonna throw a brick at that." Like that's his revenge. It's just like I'm gonna throw a brick at this guy. And so we got, we went to a, a hardware store and we got a bunch of bricks. 30 of them. 30 bricks. We bought 30 bricks and we gave everyone, and we got like uh, masonry markers and stuff like that. And we, we gave everyone bricks with different things written on them. Uh, sometimes it was just revenge machine, which was written on uh, Griff's revenge machine. Um, or, you know, or. My favorite was Dan's. Oh, God. Oh, oh, shoot. What, what was, what was it the. Was, it was something like, I think you're great. And then the other side, it said, I think you're okay. I think Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I remember it was double sided. Yes. Yeah, no, I still have, I still have Ashley's on my, on I my, on my mantle, <laughs> which is, this is a brick. But yeah, so that's, that's, I don't know, that was a, that was a fun time. Just getting to pick up a bunch of bricks with Ashley and just sitting, sitting. Up. Mind you, our second performance was not close to us. It was about oh, an hour away. Yeah. So he spent the whole car ride as I was driving, writing on these revenge machine bricks. Okay, it was a good time. Ashley, do you want to co-support that favorite memory, or do you have an additional one? I, I mean, that was, it, it was mine. I mean, that was just, it was such a funny sight of us going to a hardware store and be like, where are the bricks? And then buying these special Sharpies. And like, as I'm driving, he was like, well, what should we write on Dan's? And what should we write on Jordan's and, and Natalie's and all this stuff? And like, we spent that whole car ride trying to figure out what to put yeah. on everyone's brick. We and made a Coco Chanel brick. <laughs> we made a Chanel brick. Did we do a Dolce & Gabbana one yeah. too? Yeah. We did a Dolce & Gabbana one and those were for like the popular girls. <laughs> so we, it was, it was just so ridiculous and so fun that we did that. Um, but it was, it was, it was also good that we got to kind of, within that moment, you get to kind of review every, every like person and get to be like oh yeah remember yeah, this, this moment remember this i think thing? jordan's just said feelings yeah because the brick i mean that's all the, his, <laughs> yeah his brick his his brick the real brick was the friends we made along the way um wow <laughs> yeah no the brick the brick experience was was quite hysterical but it was also just that when you do shows you don't always get a cast that you are going to get along with or going to enjoy being around for so long um, and I just think we got really, really lucky with, oh God, this is so sappy, but I think we just got really, really lucky. No, no it's we, it's, it was fantastic. With our cast, like main cast, ensemble, everybody, we all, I feel like just instantly clicked and had a great chemistry. Every person in that cast had a great chemistry. And I truly like, I loved and adored every person involved in the process. And it just made the experience that much better and that much more fun. Hollingsworth and Oris, I know that this whole journey is far from over, but do you have a favorite memory so far? It, it's hard to pick. I, I think, you know, we've been in development with the show for close to five years. And and I do want to add into Michael and Ashley's story, best show gift ever. I have my revenge machine brick right here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a cheesy answer. I think I think the real answer, honestly, is, you know, especially in these last couple readings, get, I mean, every time we do one of these performances you know it's so it's it's largely to learn something as we are moving toward um uh, hopefully a world premiere production but ultimately you know i think the goal of any writer and certainly ours is is to connect with people and create an authentic experience and 
you know, particularly during the finale, but just throughout the show, I, you know, kind of look around and take stock and people really seem to be connecting and the cast seem to be connecting with the work. And I, I think it's a cheesy answer, but it's a true answer is, is, is seeing people have a genuine, honest gut level, soul level, heart level response to the material has been my favorite thing, whether they're laughing or crying or whatever honest thing that's happening. And Mr. Hollingsworth? I mean, I've, I've got a lot of really good memories of, I mean, the, the, the four or five year long process of conception to now has just been full of amazing memories. But with this, this production in particular had so many good ones. We, we, I, we had the pleasure of attending all the rehearsals and just seeing that come together created such this feeling of excitement. I would, I would be watching them perform the show and especially seeing certain numbers where everybody's together, like one small step or, um, or our finale. I remember just like literally like kind of bouncing up and down in my chair, <laughs> like, uh, like bobbing to the music and just like a smile spreading across my face. And I mean, I mean, sometimes, I mean, these, these rehearsals would go really late. They'd like start at like 8 PM and go until like 1130 sometimes. And uh, I, it would be after I'd just spent like 10 hours at work. And so we'd just be, we'd be pretty exhausted by the end of them. But Oris and I would walk outside of the rehearsal space and it would be just pitch black. And uh, we just, we shared a lot of really good moments just on that sidewalk, kind of looking at each other and sighing and going like, God, it's, it's really coming together. It's, that's yeah. fantastic. I, I also have like a really, <laughs> just, this, this just uh, always warms my heart. But at one of the productions at the uh, end of the show, when uh, Chetwick realizes that he's gay and, and kisses his friend Craig, um, some dude way in the back, just like um, as forcefully as he could, just <laughs> like all by himself. <laughs> it was, I was like, this, this rules. This is, this is what theater is about. Well, speaking of Jordan, I have a one-on-one interview with him next. So does anyone have anything that I should say or embarrass him or bring up to make him laugh? I'm all for suggestions. I feel like it's hard to say anything that would embarrass him because I think of him as like a perfect human. That's right. Yeah, he's 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 the uh, he is the alpha and omega of of good people. He is he is he's the actual best. Yeah, I yeah. love him. Yeah. It's great that he got to play like a terrible murderous like like person because he's, he's this he's the opposite, he's the opposite of, of that person and his performance was just wonderfully transformative and and his voice is stellar and so I can, yeah I can't really think of anything that would embarrass him other than saying all those compliments to his face That's right. yeah just do that I absolutely. I wrote it all down. I wrote it all down word for word, and I'm going to just ask him to react to it. So you can say you can, you can ask. You can say that Dan wants to know how he sings that high. Because I need, I, need like, I want like lessons. Like I just, I just don't know. He can click into like another gear where he just starts like already high, and then you're like, okay, well that's the top, and then he goes, Wah! and you're just like, what? How does he do that? So, but then he also it, holds yeah. it for like ten years, like. He just has the lungs of a beast. He's like an opera guy. He comes from an opera background, so that must be part of it. But that man, I, I just—I was just in awe of how he can click into that. It's crazy. His his grandma is Stephanie J. Block's voice teacher, and oh boy, and, and he there studied her. So, and was that all? <laughs> Seriously, every time I think back to getting to do any any scenes with Ashley and Dan, it seriously is like some of the happier moments of my existence. Like, <laughs> 
like uh, you, you guys make me feel things so sincerely, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. It's it's some of the best time to to act with you guys. So uh, it's nice to it's nice to get to like continue the process. fourth main actor in the staged reading will join us now to discuss his experience in originating a role in the new musical Invisible. Okay, so this is Jordan Goodsell, and he played the role of Chetwick in the staged reading that I got to see in Burbank. And I loved his performance so much that I tweeted him from the lobby and told him he was the greatest. And <laughs> we're so excited to talk to you. Also on the phone, we still have David Orris and David Hollingsworth, the creators. So, Jordan, I spoke to your co-stars, Michael, Dan, and Ashley, and I asked them to tell me something to embarrass you. <laughs> so I wrote, it, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, and I have a quote about you from Michael Thomas Grant, and he said, Jordan is a perfect human being. He is literally the alpha and omega of good people, the actual best. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Dan wants to know how you sing that high because you have the lungs of a beast. <laughs> so I will ask you to react to that, but also I will segue it into an actual question, which is, since everyone is claiming that you're this wonderful human being, where do you go to find the inspiration to play someone who's an actual bully with demons? Oh, boy. Um, well, I think we've all been through experiences. And I mean, there are just mean people that exist in this world. And uh, if you're doing theater at any point in your life, you're bound to be bullied, no matter what size you are, no matter if you look like a Chetwick. I, I mean, it's just fun. I mean, it's all there in the writing is what I think. So it's just well written and it, the character calls for it. And so uh, where do I go? I guess I go deep inside my heart to what is lying underneath Chetwick under the surface and uh, what mask he kind of puts on. And that's uh, the, you know, the majority of the, of the first act and all the way up until the end is for Chetwick of being afraid of people not accepting him for who he really is. Before we jump too far into it, can you explain to everybody um, the character of Chetwick? Yeah. Chetwick is uh, the basketball star of uh, Springboro high. And uh, he's this, uh, He's got a lot of status, and he's kind of just the man in town. So uh, he's the man, and he knows it, and everybody else knows it. So everybody kind of just bows down to Chetwick. He's the big jock. Yeah, is that how far you want me to go, or you want me to go further? Go like, further. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. And so, like, he is um, gay as well, but I don't Spoiler think- alert. 
Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, that's why I asked <laughs> if you want to go that further. Uh, but yeah, he's a. Uh, I think he doesn't know that, but it's kind of more of a, of a discovery um, until the end. Like he just has these feelings for um, his, you know, best friend, best posse guy by him side craig but he doesn't really know how to interpret that and it just feels good and it feels right and then he kind of just lets that all out at the end to further embarrass you i got a quote from the davids i can't remember which one it was forgive me you're interchangeable in my mind um okay. pretty much accurate yeah <laughs> they weren't exactly sure what chet would look like until you stepped into the room so david Whoever wants to claim that or deny it or insult him, you want to jump in and t- tell me your feelings about Jordan? That was David Orris here that said that. And man, he's such a, on top of being an incredibly good guy, he's such a smart actor. Um, we didn't actually, I, Jordan, I, I had confessed this with the other actors. I sort of relentlessly pursued the four <laughs> leads of the show um, until they just, said yes. I found Jordan, I think on, uh, I think your backstage profile. And I was like, like, he looks like him. Yep. I think this could be the guy. And he came in and auditioned on video and I wasn't able to be there. And he made these choices. And I'm, I'm actually, I don't know if we should do this in an interview. I'm, I'm curious, David Hollingsworth, if was the hunchback stuff already in the script then, or is that Jordan's creation in the audition process? That I think that specific kind of like the the shuffling and shambling that he did, I believe, was all Jordan, and that ended up kind of coming out in a in a rewrite to be yeah. be codified into the script. Yeah, well, we we do that constantly. We we see things that happen in the in the readings, and then we steal them. <laughs> but Jordan did these just brilliant things that we were like. And I was kind of like, before I saw Jordan, I was kind of like in the bag for this other actor. And I was like, well, I really like this guy's voice. And I hadn't seen Jordan yet. And then Jordan just walked in and was Chetwick. There was just no, there were no two ways about it. It was just brilliant choice after brilliant choice, first rate voice. And then on top of it, he's just this amazing guy. Jordan, more or less, in my mind, kind of made the show, or at least allowed us to make the show a lot more about Chetwick. Like he kind of <laughs> gave us that freedom to, uh, to really explore the character more. And um, cause, cause in the very first, very, very primordial drafts of this show, he was really uh, more of a, a stock bully character as, as things went on and as drafts progressed, we gave him a little more um, kind of flavor. We, uh, I was actually Oris's idea to um, have him be gay but not realize it. And then when Jordan stepped in, it was like, oh, my God, no, no he's actually this incredibly multidimensional character. And we kind of the next couple of drafts really expanded on his character and really let him take over certain chunks of the show. And I, I, I can't thank Jordan enough for giving us that freedom to do so. But But even just beyond that, like, I feel like Jordan is always he's he's the person everyone walks away from the show going how could you cast anyone else like that guy completely crushed it and um there are even just moments that like me and my wife still talk about uh, during one of the readings there's a moment where it's not necessarily an emotional moment um but it's a very intense moment in a song and uh two nights in a row Jordan forced himself to cry uh like in this split second <laughs> 
kind of acting ninja move. And it like we still we talk about it to this day about how <laughs> amazing that was. So he's just he's he's I, I, I can't stress enough how, how amazing working with him has been. So, Jordan, I'm going to keep gushing about you because it's just fun. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> but I, I did see the production in Burbank. And from the second you stepped on the stage, I was like, oh, this guy's ridiculous. Like your your first note when you walk out, I mean, within 30 seconds, you completely established who the character was. But then there's all these layers behind it. So you have this bully, but you have to make him human in the process. So what were your thoughts behind making him almost relatable and empathetic, but still kind of hateable? Oh, boy. Um, well, you know, it's it's not a character that's not too close or not too away from home for me. Like I played basketball in high school and I, so I just, I just know who Chetwick is. Like I, I, I feel like I, I get it. And, and I play a lot of these roles that can get sucked in, you know, that typical jock, that typical, yeah, that typical jock that just kind of is the bully or whatever like that. But I'm, but I'm like, well, this guy has a heart. There's obviously something that's underneath it. And I think that would, that's all that was. I mean, the Davids did such an awesome job writing a script and those songs, uh, the, especially the no one but me song um, <laughs> is really, uh, really, that really get, I know that they, that was, that was new until I came in the last year. So that, that's pretty cool. And that was that totally. Yeah. I, oh, I get it. That, that brought me a whole new light to the character. Um, just how much he really, what he really thinks. So, would you consider that your favorite song, or do you have another one that you were really looking forward to performing? Well, my favorite song that I sing? Um, oh, I mean, it's probably, gosh, that's really hard. I don't know. I like I like Kill the Nerds and No One But Me equally, to be honest. I like Get Me to the Prom. I like this one solo that I have in it. There's like 10 seconds that I have in that song. And it's just, <laughs> I just love that brick uh, moment. <laughs> Davids, do you have a um, particular moment in the uh, show? I know you had just spoke one David Hollingsworth about his ninja acting move, I believe you said. But is there something besides that that there was always stands out to you in that production? There's a number of lines that I've given to Chetwick that I'm particularly proud of. That Jordan has just he just has a, a real knack for nailing every single time. But there's a, a couple moments when um, Chubbuck's kind of being confronted by Kemper in the first act of the show. And I think it might be the favorite line I've ever written, but it's, um, I hope you're a hungry kid because uh, I'm about to feed you a getting punched in the face sandwich. And uh, he, oh, he like really sinks his teeth into it every single time. It's fantastic. But oh, but beyond that, I, I, I think my favorite song in the show is uh, is. It has to be no one but me at this point as well, just because of like how fun it is and how much it gets everyone in the audience like immediately like it, it hits them so hard and so quick of of what's going on in that moment and what the characters are realizing about themselves and what Chetwick is not realizing about himself. And uh, even just in the beginning, there's a there's a note that's kind of supposed to um, be an homage to Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror. And uh, just this this little like quick uh, uh, uh he does that like immediately like like snaps everyone <laughs> into the ridiculousness of the moment is is it's perfect it's 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 perfection. Yeah, I mean Jordan does so many great things in the show. I th- I think what's 
fun and cool and uh, it's, those are not the right words but about what jordan does is he does his homework jordan jordan has a real work ethic and it shows up on the stage so he has really spent time with the text he knows he he makes choices there's not as far as i can tell there's no stone left unturned so there's uh, there's a moment in no one but me um and i actually had help on this lyric from david hollingsworth um where what's the lyric uh, they used to beg me chet would please us is that the line um uh, but now they yeah, taunt me and de- but now they taunt me and deny me so i'm pretty much like jesus and there's just like and then he has like a split second i think we added a bar in the most recent version for him to like have a moment but he has to go from like this super self-absorbed sadness um or he has to go from the super self-absorbed moment of like tr- sadness to triumph to back to sadness and he makes these jumps and I, it's like David Hollingsworth said it. I mean, we, we probably sound like we're gushing and making it up, but we're, we're not, he's amazing. And I think I, I tell Jordan this all the time. He elevated, he elevated the show. He let us elevate the show because he can, he jumps through every fiery hoop we throw at him. Are you enjoying this, Jordan? <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of in awe. I'm always just, the show seems to tackle a lot of social issues uh, that are still obviously very relevant today. Is there anything that stood out to you in particular that was really important to you? Yeah. I, I mean, to me, this show, it, it like really picks on, um, I mean, you have all the different types in this show. And so it's kind of, like I, I really get moved by the end every single time uh, with the finale because I feel like everybody learns to accept each other for each other's differences. Um, and I think that's a really like a goal in life and, and something that's uh, I think is really not happening in our world right now. Um, we seem to be very, very divided. So and I think Invisible is inspiring in that way. Because all these characters really have an arc. Um, they, they come through. They really kind of see the other side, even the twins a little bit. <laughs> so um, to me, it's very heartwarming. And there's a lot of, I mean, obviously, there's bullying with Chadwick. There's, with all the different, I think, types of characters that are in the show creates all these uh, social um, differences. And the song Hallways is so brilliant because it is so true that when you're walking down the hallway and how you feel all this judgment and and what you're thinking and everything that is like the most unique it immediately draws me into the show of like wow i i don't know i just i thought that that song was brilliant from the very beginning i was like hallways yeah nobody really talks about that everybody talks about all the other stuff in high school but like walking down a hallway in high school is the most nerve-wracking thing ever because you've got all these different people. Do you have a favorite memory that stands out to you from this entire experience? It doesn't have to be on the stage or during a production, even backstage with your colleagues or uh, just, a, just a really great memory. Yeah, I, you know what? Invisible has been um, such a family. And I think that's also why I really, really love the show is because the people who... Um, the Davids find and reach out as well as um, Elise and everything. Just our cast is so 
special and they're such a great group of people. And I really have just enjoyed getting to know them behind the scenes. I mean, that's what I, that's what makes it so fun on stage is knowing how great these people are, even though we're all playing these different versions of ourselves who are also not ourselves, but they, I, I mean, I, it, I think they all come a little bit from ourselves, but just spending time, like, you know, I mean, Michael and Ashley and Dan and and Christine and Christy and Natalie and even everybody in the ensemble too. They are such great people, and I just and and just it just feels like a family. And I think that's what's so close to my heart about this one. It's just one of the best projects that I've ever done, and it'll never leave my heart because of who these people are. They're fantastic people. Now, from what the Davids tell me, you're like doing crazy good work everywhere that you go. So. Is it possible for you to remain a part of this project going forward? Absolutely. I want to remain a part of this project going forward. Um, I understand that the way things go, sometimes the way things go, but as long as I'm a part of it, I am so grateful to be a part of it. Here, here. <laughs> yes, please. Well, I think it's only right that I give you the chance to, you know, talk about your co-stars, uh, Dan, Ashley, and Michael, if you have anything to say about them. <laughs> there i mean michael is so funny he is such this introverted guy who when you really get to know him is a total nerd he is literally griff and um he is really awesome <laughs> he's so funny he's literally griff i was like wow you're griff like this is it um and uh yeah he's just they're just really good people dan is super funny and super uh random like uh he'll just say something like kind of out of the blue and uh and you're you'll be laughing for a very long time and ashley is just such a wonderful human being with such a beautiful personality and wonderful energy that just you just want to you just gravitate towards yeah that's what with those three i have i can say more about all the other people as well <laughs> Well, those are the only three we talked to. I wish we could talk to everybody because it seems to be a positive experience for everybody. Have we yeah, embarrassed yeah. you enough yet, Jordan? Yeah, <laughs> I'm watching. If you can see me, it's a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, Jordan is Jordan is a star, and you. I, I don't know if you heard it here first. Maybe you've heard it before, but if you if you're just hearing about Jordan Goodsell, I mean, this is. I, I promise you, I promise you, this is someone you're going to be seeing standing on the Radio City stage accepting a Tony sooner than later. Thank you for tuning in to part four of our series on Invisible the Musical. Tune in next time where we will continue speaking to some of the production team.